Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Hello and welcome to another episode of Attacking Third, a CBS Sports Soccer Podcast. I'm Sandra Reda, lead NWSL writer for CBS Sports. Joined today, as always, by my colleague and co-host, Lisa Roman, NWSL analyst and broadcaster. On today's episode, we have a United States Women's National Team year in review. There's a ton to jump into. We're going to hit you all with our top three moments of this year. But first, a quick reminder to follow us on Twitter, at Attacking Third for interviews. We're also on YouTube. Subscribe so you never miss a new video or whenever we go live visit youtube.com slash attacking third lisa it's the most wonderful time of year it, it, it keeps going on and on and on are you excited for for new year's eve and everything ahead of us of course i am um yes it is the most wonderful time of the year uh it's chilly out but you know that's not always the greatest thing but at least cute coats or something i don't know <laughs> but the cookies like the joy being around family you mentioned new year's eve coming up um in philly it's actually new year's day that's even the bigger celebration and the bigger party okay. uh, not new year's eve we got the mummers parade that happened so okay, for that in a few days um yeah i'm i'm pumped about this time of the year and well, as you mentioned, Women's National Team year in review, we get a chance to really look back at 2021 before we jump into 2022 with two feet. But uh, yeah, it is the most wonderful time of the year. Sandra, how are you holding up? I'm holding up. <laughs> I always feel like all of the hard things that we go through during the year helps prepare us for the whole concept of like work hard, play hard during the holiday season. Right. right. So whatever it is you celebrate during during the month of December, I hope it's gone Without a hitch, I know people are still navigating things in this ongoing pandemic, so I hope that everyone is uh, doing their best to stay safe and sound. And uh, we are excited to eventually celebrate and ring in a new year. But before we do that, we got to recap some stuff with the U.S. Women's National Team. And I feel some type of way about this episode, Lisa, because just to remind folks out there who are either A, joining us for the first time, or B, have sort of been with us since our humble attacking third beginnings know that this podcast got kicked off uh, during the summer of 2021. We did a lot of work, background work, Lisa and I, and trying to figure out the best way to produce this thing and, and all kinds of ideas and what is it going to be called and what are our colors <laughs> and, and what's the energy that we want to bring, right? And all of that took a very long process uh, that we actually got kicked off mid-year. And um that We're feels excited like about that. A lifetime excited ago. about it. That feels like a lifetime ago. It does Sandra. feel like a lifetime ago. But I feel like these things are like connected. So the fact that we're like one of our mm -hmm. our uh, you know, one of our last episodes here for 2021, it feels right that we're doing one about the United States women's national team because we really kicked things off and, and really took a ride in a journey uh, through through the Olympics. Uh, so what we're going to do is we've uh, we're, we're trying we're trying to break down this entire 2021 for the United States women's national team into sort of a, a top three moments for this team. So 
even though there was a ton of, of action uh, throughout the year, um, probably maybe a good way to start this off before we get into number uh, starting with number three is that the fact that there were just, uh, you know, games, <laughs> yeah. honestly, you know, there were there was a lot of uncertainty, right, coming out of 2020. Um, unfortunately, we're, we're ending with a, a little bit of a, a scare again at the end of 2021. Uh, but beginning in January 2021, there was uh, all of the work that was being done to ensure that the United States women's national team would, you know, have games in in, in in this year. So um, we're going to actually go three, two, one. And I think it's funny the way we're going to start this out because we're actually starting out kind of with the end of the year versus, uh, you know, the, the beginning of the year because our number three top moment of the United States women's national team calendar year is Carly Lloyd's retirement, uh, which took a long time. I mean, it was like kind of a retirement that, uh, that wasn't um, that wasn't necessarily like retirements in the past because there have been some big names right in the past that have bid farewell to the United States women's national team. Uh, Abby Wambach is someone who comes comes to mind. Um, somebody like a Shannon Box, mm -hmm. somebody like Lauren Holiday, right? And um, typically, there's a, a game that is played, and then. You say, OK, thank you for your service and, and farewell. But with Carly Lloyd, after the Olympics, uh, Lloyd made an announcement. Hey, I'm going to be saying goodbye to the game, both on the international and club level. And they made it a big event. So with this announcement of her retirement, they said there's going to be uh, four post-Olympic friendlies with the United States Women's National Team because there's always a bit of a post-Olympic tour for these players. Um, and within that, they were going to be celebrating her very long career as she retired at the age of 39. This is has to be one of our top moments of the year, right? And, and when we looked at this, although chronologically, it's not quite in order, but that doesn't matter. This is number three moment because Carly Lloyd, the, the goat, she retired. And as you mentioned, Sandra, it was very uh, ceremonious how she did it. She had sh this beautiful farewell tour that she got to go on to really say goodbye to all of her fans. And, and we spoke with her after she announced her retirement after the Olympics um, uh, saying like, what, how are you going to approach these next few weeks and, and your final four games wearing uh, the United States Jersey and her biggest takeaway that she was looking forward to going into the next few weeks is that she was just going to take it all in and have those times to be emotional, which she has never really been throughout her career, but it's, We've talked so much about her. And as we kind of uh, wound down her final game and things like that, it was like the Carly Lloyd farewell tour was going on for forever. And it was kind of nice to have that time to say goodbye to someone like that and for her to really um, celebrate all of her accomplishments and her accolades. And I, I hope she went out the way she did. I mean, it kind of it looked like she did uh, because uh, all of the different gestures that she made towards the end of her career. Um, I mean, her decorated career of soccer, right? Like two World Cups, two Olympic gold medals, ending on a bronze medal in the Tokyo Olympics, and then uh, announcing that her number 10 jersey would be handed over to Lindsey Horan. I think that was a really historic moment um, when that number 10 jersey got passed along to a another great in Lindsey Horan. And then in Carly Lloyd's very last game with the United States in Minnesota, 
um, as she gets subbed off, she takes her time. She takes her shin guards off. She undoes her cleats and she takes off her Lloyd Jersey to reveal a Holland's Jersey, her, her husband's name and her marriage name that she now gets to celebrate um, and live on with. And it, it what the stadium was just shaking with cheers and joy um, because of that. So we did have to touch on it. And then after she retired, I don't know if you follow her on social media, she went on this like incredible trip just like, and she kept posting like, Hey, I'm not working out and I'm on vacation. This is the first time I've done this pretty much in her life. And at 39 years to be able to retire at her own time um, on, in her own way is really special. It really is. And to go on the farewell tour that she did, um, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention her in one of the top moments for the U.S. Women's National Team this year. Yeah, the four friendlies um, in September and October, uh, going up against Paraguay and then going up against um, South Korea, you just got to see like some final moments there Mm -hmm. from a player like that, right? And obviously... Two different teams, you know, and there was a different score lines for for each of each of these teams. But in in one point, putting up a massive amount of goals, right? Like just doing Carly Lloyd things <laughs> against a much lower ranked team, right? Um, just things that we weren't too surprised to see uh, out of her. But also just um, just sort of like like she had mentioned when she was on the show with us, just like. She said, she was like, I'm sure once it gets closer, I'm probably just going to let those emotions fly, which I guess for Carly Lloyd was kind of <laughs> rare, you know, and it was. And 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 she was correct. She was definitely uh, showing her emotions as she um, exited the exited the game. Um, but it's also been funny to me just to sort of see. Yes, she exited from from her playing career, but there is still. Carly Lloyd headlines out there and people are like still talking about how she's winning awards, even post uh, retirement um, and that she eventually maybe would like to see herself return to the game a little bit in maybe a administrative role or, or how that would look moving, moving forward. So she's, she's someone who's no longer playing, but uh, definitely still has soccer on the brain. So we'll see what happens with Carly Lloyd in the future. Let's move into our second, which maybe this does work out chronologically, even though we're starting at the end, for our number two top-ranked moment in 2021 for the United States Women's National Team. We're choosing the pair of Australia friendlies in 2021 that saw a new batch of talent come in. Head coach Vlako Andonowski called in a ton of players for the final two games in Australia. Australia. The average age of the roster was 25.6 years. It was 30.8 in Tokyo. There were five uncapped players, a ton, at least a dozen or so players who had less than 10 caps uh, Mm -hmm. on this roster as well. So it was a really exciting moment. I mean, I remember uh, when this roster for the training camp dropped, we did an episode on it. We did reactions on it. And we were constantly talking about it leading up to the games when we were doing the live recaps and it was very exciting a ton of new players getting into the mix or getting reintroduced into the mix in in games that uh, we knew were probably going to be a lot of fun because australia and united states whenever they play there's always uh some some some, a little bit of like high octane energy when it comes to these types of games but um i love that that was absolutely one of my favorite moments in this year and i'm glad we've got it locked in at number two It has to be number two. And it's not just a a single game or a single moment because it does span from when the roster was announced for these two friendlies in Australia um, and and seeing the names and then 
actually watching the two friendlies that happened in Australia and watching these young players get time and make big impacts. Um, so this this moment and our number two moment really spans uh, almost a month from when the roster dropped to when the final two games happened uh, right around Thanksgiving, right after Thanksgiving, uh, because it was like a glimpse to the future of the U.S. women's national team. Carly Lloyd, our number three moment, was saying goodbye to a, a great player and a, and a great generation and a great time frame of the U.S. women's national team. And now it's looking ahead and saying hello to what could be a very, very bright future for this U.S. women's national team. And, and Sandra, you mentioned it, just really a young, young roster, age average age of 25.6, which is crazy two goalkeepers that had zero caps, um, which is really fun to see and fun to look at. Um, and they did get time. Bella Bixby, Casey Murphy. We saw Casey Murphy playing in these two friendlies that back to back, back to back. She got the starts for both games. She had a tremendous, tremendous time. So she entered November and, and really 2021 with zero caps uh, for the national team. And she ends the 2021 year with two caps and really a good record under her belt as as a goalkeeper to get time. Um, a, another player that definitely stood out was Ashley Sand or excuse me Ashley Hatch. She went in with two caps, so under that uh, part of that group that really didn't have that many caps and no goals. And what we saw her score a goal in the first thirty so seconds of yeah, one she of broke. She made a record. She she went yeah. out there and, and and got record for third fastest goal in U.S. <laughs> soccer history. It's like okay, congrats on earning. A cap, earning a start, getting a goal, scoring your first international goal brought, and doing it while also setting a record. It's very, very impressive. It, it um, is very impressive. And those are just some of the players that we saw make these impacts. And then I also think part of this is really seeing a player like Lindsay Horan step into that huge cap captain leadership role because we didn't see Becky Sauerbronn, uh, one of the other biggest veterans on this roster, get too many minutes. Um, and that's good almost because it gave a chance for other players to step up and be those leaders. We saw a different back line. It, this has to be our one of our top moments because it was the future. It was a glimpse at the future with a young squad and under Vlako Andonovsky seeing kind of his vision of, of what can happen and really taking a look at the NWSL season and knowing Ashley Hatch, Golden Boot uh, winner, and having a, a number of other players, Emily Fox, who won number of awards, be called into this camp and get time, significant minutes on the field to make an impact. And we saw them t take on these two friendlies with Australia and, and come away undefeated, right? This, this younger group uh, who hadn't had a lot of time together going up against an Australia side where maybe things look a little different there, but walking away with a win, right. Walking away with, with a draw at one point. Um, so I thought it was a successful trip. I think if you're, if you're head coach, Flacco Andonofsky, if you're the coaching staff, right. And you made this choice, you made this decision to sort of close out the year in this specific type of way. I thought it was a really smart move when you're looking ahead to something like January and the January camps potentially coming up with the, some of these players possibly being a part of that larger January camp roster. So I liked seeing all of these things and these new looks that we got to see, which included some things positionally, right? Because one of the mm -hmm. other things that we were super hyped on was that when this roster dropped, it had somebody like Margaret Purse reintroduced 
to these camps where she was listed as a forward. So it was all these little things in between yep. that we were like picking out and picking choosing. We're like, and, and there were so many. It was like, oh, we're excited about this. We're excited about that. We like this. We like that. And that was one of those things as well. And and purse uh, equal to hatch, right? Sort of having uh, really impressive games in that front line uh, over the course of these two matches. And I hope we get to see more of that. I think it's it's hard to say that like two matches, right, are going to solidify anything for anyone mm-hmm. on this type of team moving forward. But I don't know how you have somebody like a hatch, have somebody like a, a purse and sort of see the club seasons that they had put together right during 2021, invite them into the national team stage and sort of have these moments together and not want to try to, you know, cultivate that, nurture that a little bit more moving forward. So I, I, I loved it. I thought this was a really great way for the United States uh, to sort of close out their calendar year. Even a player like Sofia Huerta, who who had time with Laura Harvey at OL Reign throughout the NWSL season, and we saw her move to an outside back position, then listed as a defender for Vlako Andonovsky on this roster. That's it's it's really everything about yeah. these two friendlies and surrounding them and and even the time on the field that we saw these players get um, having different players in different positions. And unfortunate, there was a handful of injuries that happened before these. So uh, Katerina Macario, she didn't see time in these friendlies, but because of that, it allowed opportunity for other players to get in in there. And that's probably one of the reasons Ashley Hatch did so well is because she took yeah. the moment that was given to her. So although uh, we could have seen maybe Kat Macario playing a striker, a number yeah. nine. This <laughs> we were denied that. <laughs> I'm not trying to knock this out. Maybe that's why this is our number two moment and not our number one moment because yeah. there was some nagging injuries that changed. we didn't we didn't get to see Cavacario play the false nine. So we definitely were like, oh, we keep <laughs> we want it so bad and we keep number one. <laughs> exactly. But because of that, I mean, there's always you're given what life throws at you and the the deck of cards that are dealt to you. And Ashley Hatch did that and she broke a record scoring goals quickly. So it's okay. Give and take a little yeah. bit here. There's- and it's so funny though, because Cabacario is absolutely one of those players that got brought in because she's like considered part of this next gen, right? Yeah. Era of the United States women's national team, but just, you know, had a knock at the wrong time, but I'm sure we'll see her uh, involved a lot more in, in the future with the, with these camps. I mean, she's a, she's a player that uh, this system has, has, the program has really in, in sort of invested in, so I wouldn't be shocked if she's going to continue on and, and, and get some more looks at that level. But th- these were these were fun. I think if people are looking for like New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, like lounging around type of highlights to watch, maybe you just want to throw on these games and they'll be fun to take a look at the highlights from these two matches. But let's get to number one. Let's talk about the main thing that is ending all of our list here, the biggest moment that stood out for us and this United States women's national team in 2021, our number one top moment of the year is when the United States women's national team headed off to Tokyo to compete in the Olympics and came home with the bronze medal. It was quite a time in Tokyo for this team. Uh, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. It's been talked about countless times. We were a part of that ongoing coverage as well, talk, having to talk about these games and cover them. It wasn't an easy time in Tokyo by any means. The team was definitely faced with a lot of adversity, and there was a lot going on there in terms of 
the questions surrounding the team. There was constant questions surrounding the team, like what's going on in the attack? Why is it looking lackluster? The team doesn't look like they're, you know, in, in the zone in terms of that sort of ruthless mentality that we've seen uh, from this team competing in tournaments prior. But they got it together when it counted. When a medal was on the line, it was some real winner-go-home type of energy. They ended up walking away with this bronze medal. And uh, of course, this was going to be our number one. This was always going to be our number one, Lisa, because this is what we were covering when Attacking Third yeah. got launched. It's really our number one moment as a podcast, too. Yes. Let's be real. Yes. <laughs> but, but when you look at the full picture of the Olympics, it, it started out early in 2021 of, yeah, the United States, they're just going to like walk into the Olympics and, and they're going to win gold and they'll go back to back a World Cup and then winning the World Cup and then winning the next Olympics in 2021. And then as it got closer and the United States were put in group G, the, the group of death alongside Sweden and Australia and New Zealand. Um, and we kind of looked at the other teams. I mean, uh, for people on the outside, it was like, Oh yeah, who cares? Group yeah. of death, They'll still go in and, yeah. and just bulldoze everyone. But as you got closer to the Olympics and, and closer to the team and really previewing what could be um, it, it was like, this is going to be a bit harder for the United States than maybe we would like to admit it will be. And I think because it, because it's our number one moment, you have to look at each game and starting off the Olympics, losing three nil to Sweden was a, really a stab in the heart for a lot of United States women's national team fans. And, and for this team, they were going through so much adversity and it was really the point where people were like, what is happening with this club? And then to fast forward uh, and, and to know that they could have, uh, they they played against Canada for the gold medal match qualifiers um, and they lost against Canada, one nothing. And then to go into that bronze medal match, it was like, this is do or die because now you are going up against an Australian team that you've already faced and you tied with 0-0 in the group round. And now you're going to play them for a bronze medal match. This is the moment moment for the United States and they come out victorious winning four to three in this one and being crowned bronze medal champions, which they still won an Olympic medal. People that are still upset about that. I know. Have you? There are people who are mad medal? about that, man. Honestly, it's, it's uh, you know, I think it's important to note that though. I think for the, like the casual fan, right. Which international tournaments bring that they bring the casual fan in pretty often, whether it's like a world cup cycle or the Olympic tournament it brings in the casual fan it's like two of the biggest events of the year right so people are like oh yeah let me like pay attention to this mm -hmm. thing where maybe i don't pay attention year round right so it brings in that casual fan a lot and for for that type of you know casual fan it's like you have all the facts in front of you right and the facts in front of you are like hey the united states women's national team is a dope team they're a winning 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 team right that's four-time World Cup champions. It's like all of this stuff is in front of you and you realize that. So when they go into this Olympics, there is that kind of energy where it's like, oh, yeah, like they're going to go out there and, and do the thing that they do. But the Olympics are such a tough tournament. We hear that so, so often that they're just different. It's just different compared to competing to a World Cup. It's a much shorter tournament. The game time, in the days in between games are much, much quicker of a turnaround. 
And it's always been a difficult tournament. That's why there hasn't been that two-time back-to-back sort of cycle winner where a team, a national team, goes to win a World Cup and then turns around to earn gold medal on the podium at the Olympics. It's a very difficult uh, thing to do back to back. And then once they got drawn into that group, I think for those of us who go here, right, who kind of follow this team, once we saw the U.S. drawn into that group with Australia, with New Zealand, with Sweden, I think everyone was kind of like pumping the brakes a little bit. But some of the casuals were still, were, were still like, they're going to get out of the group. It's going to be fine. fine. And yes, it ended up happening. That did come to fruition. But it was a tough way for them to kick off their Olympics with that 3-0 loss to Sweden. That 3-0 loss was the first time the United States had lost since 2017 in the She Believes Cup. So not only was it like, oh, this is how we're we're starting off the Olympics. This is the taste we have in our mouth. But it also really put a halt on everything that the United States women's national team fan base had built up over the last few years. Having Black Wendonofsky come in and, and say he's going to change things around and, and going from winning the world cup to then the tough year that 2020 gave everyone but but for teams looking to compete they couldn't get together because it it, we were keeping safety in and making sure people had safe times although throughout the games that the united states played in 2021 they looked okay they looked like they knew what they were doing it was dubbed as an older team heading into the, uh, the olympics and this loss to sweden to start out the tournament was that was a tough pill to swallow for a lot of people. And although uh, uh, we, the, the everyday fans of this team and, and people following closely, we knew that this group of death was going to be difficult. After that first loss, what, at four or six o'clock, six o'clock in the morning? Yeah. <laughs> These are tough times as well. Let's not forget. Andrew, how do, how I, do we not start off this segment with the fact that we had to be up at like the crack of dawn? <laughs> Yeah, like these were 4 a.m. Eastern oh, games man. that we were watching in the summer, like well before the sun is up. Oh, and, and then we, Sandra, would have to come together and be like, what happened with Sweden? I mean, it, nothing. As as Megan Rapino said, right? Like we got bopped and that's exactly what happened. But to turn it around and be standing on the, the podium or winning a medal at the end of it, um, it has to be our number one moment for yeah. sure to really come full circle of the entire year of what the team did, it has to be our number one moment. Yeah. And it it was to sort of see them kind of cap off this tournament Mm -hmm. with a medal. And there's, there's always going to be a sector out there right on the deep, dark corners of the internet that are like gold only. And if it's not, you're a bust and blah, blah, blah. Right. And there was still that even coming out Mm -hmm. of this Olympics, but Look, go kick rocks, man. Go sit on the tag. How many of those people on the internet that get are here. have won like, gold medals? Like, get honestly, if you're if you're look if you're comparing, you know, performances, my God, they got bounced from the 2016 Olympics in Rio. They had the worst finish ever. They didn't even mm-hmm. make it to the medal rounds in 2016 and then to sort of be able to come back for a handful of these players who went through that experience. This is a huge game for them. They meddled on a podium that is incredibly, incredibly difficult to do. And they did it, of course, against Australia in a wild 4-3. No defenses allowed. (laughs) It was insane. And and that was just a part of the things that they went through during Mm -hmm. this time. I mean, having that that 2-2 draw against Netherlands, right, and having to advance on penalty kicks, right, 
Alyssa Nair coming up with ma a massive moment again in another major international tournament, having, you know, a save, you know, during this and, and having it to advance, but then coming out of that Canada game really early with a knee injury yeah, having to have Adriana French slot in. Right. And then going up against Australia and then having this four, three victory for a bronze medal. It was such a wild ride. And to kind of bring all of our moments from this episode together. So in, in the four, three, bronze medal match Megan Rapino scores first yep. then Sam Kerr gets on the board then Megan Rapino again then Carly Lloyd goes back to back with a brace to end uh, really her career at this level which um was huge so two goals from Rapino and two goals from Lloyd uh before Ford and Lil Nick for uh, yeah. Australia came back and got two more, which it was close at the end of this, right? Like the last goal for Australia came in the 90th minute yeah. of this match. It was, yeah. it was not smooth sailing for the United no. States throughout this. Um, if you woke up early, they, this game like kept you awake. It was oh, yeah. like, if you were going to blink, you were going to miss something, but uh, it was, it was nice to sort of see them close that out because with a ton of players who were, you know, a part of that 2016 roster making their return to this, they're getting their bronze medal, a lot of them for the first time. Um, and there were so many of those players, the, the four that got selected as alternates, but became yeah. full Olympians also walked away with medals on this day, you know, uh, Casey Kruger or Lynn Williams or, um, any Jenna French or, uh, I'm missing someone. <laughs> there were four of them. <laughs> I'm so sorry, but I'm drawing a blank right now, but they were named as alternates. And then because of COVID, head coaches went ahead and they... Jane Campbell, Casey Kruger, Kat Macario, and Lynn Williams. Kat Macario. There you go. We're talking about next gen and then I'm going to leave off Kat Macario. That's disrespectful. It's fine. It was a long time ago. This was the start of A3. We had we were waking up early, drinking all the caffeine, like, trying to stay hydrated. I'm like, disrespectful. Um, but it was really nice to see them get their, mm -hmm. get their medals. Yeah. I mean, because they, they got selected not knowing if they were... They knew they were going to go to Tokyo, but not knowing if they were going to ever touch a podium. Right. Yeah. And they're coming off and it's just like it was it was a nice moment. And it's uh, it's unfortunate that there's always going to be like that sector of like people who don't view that as a success, which is like, I don't know, a really terrible frame of mind to have, yeah. I think, quite personally. But I love that they were able to sort of close out this tournament with that. And um I mean, it's something it's something else that they can hang their head on during 2021. I mean, they kicked mm -hmm. they kicked off their year with a, you know, a She Believes Cup title win right it's a tournament that they host every year to sort of kick off their year and that's something that we're probably gonna end up covering in 2022 mm -hmm. you know as it makes its its return um but it was just another thing that they could point to to say that hey like this is a, another thing that we accomplish uh during this year and for head coach black Lindanovsky, it's maybe his first you know international tournament with this team and he walks away with a bronze medal and now here we are doing an episode like this in the end of 2021. And we're going to have to start really talking a little bit about what that head coach has in the future in store for preparations in the world cup coming up in 2022 ahead of 2023 in Australia. The, the future is incredibly bright for the U S women's national team. And Sandra, as we close out 2021, we had to look back and we had to reflect on this. We did it for the NWSL and, and now we got to do it for the United States women's national team, uh, closing that chapter of the book for, for this squad, for Carly Lloyd, that was there. Uh, we may see some other players come out and, and announce their retirement. We'll see, but the, the future for the United States women's national team, 
there's a lot to dive in there. And because of that, we can't even do it today, but that's all right. We will, we will get into it. That's, that's what's next on, on the docket and on the, the production planning for everyone. So stay tuned, stick around because uh, up next, we're going to talk about us women's national team part two, the future 2022 yep. January camp wish list coming out. We have world cup qualifiers coming up. It's a big year for preparation for the world cup. It's huge. This it's really just the beginning uh, for this team as they end 2021. If you thought we were going to leave you, you are incorrect. We absolutely have more down the pipeline for you. Lisa teasing it all for you right now. Stay tuned for all that stuff coming up. I want to thank you all for listening. As always, whenever you join us, it's always a delight. Follow us on Twitter at Attacking Third. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere you listen to your podcast shows. Leave us a five-star review on Spotify. And if you have any questions for us, you can leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts with a question. And Lisa and I will answer as part of our mailbag segment. We're also available as video. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Visit youtube.com slash attacking third. And we'll be back Friday looking ahead to the United States Women's National Team in 2022. January camp with head coach Black Odinowski. For Sandra Herrera and Lisa Roman, this was Attacking.